Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman, as it always has been. Now, I have to tell you, we have some tradies here in the building at the moment. Uh, we're doing some renovations at Technology Uncorked headquarters, and I'll be talking to some of the tradies as they take their, take their breaks and so on and asking them about how much time they spend on the road, how much time they're spending driving their utes, their vans uh, on the road, carrying important equipment, making it literally it's a tool of their job to have a work ute or a work van. And I wanted to talk to them about dash cams as, as nerdy as I am. And I did talk to them. None of them had them. Not a single dash cam among their fleet of vehicles. And that made me very sad. And I just happened to talk to them a little bit more about what's available from Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've spoken about this before on the show. Unfortunately, the people here at my home had not listened to the podcast, were not educated on dash cams. But I was telling them about the MyView Alta DC. It's that vertically mounted camera at the front that fits perfectly next to a rear vision mirror to monitor everything that's happening in front of you. But at the same time, that camera on the Workmate DC, for example, is perfect for those work utes. It's perfect to, you know, to screw that rear camera onto the back of the tray or underneath the tray or even at the top of the tray, wherever it is that suits you best, because it is a hard-wearing camera. It is not a delicate piece of equipment. This is exactly what they needed. And as I started to talk about it, they started to realize, yeah, you're right. And one of them even mentioned, you know, I was in a rear-end accident last year and the bloke was trying to say that I was the one that broke too late and that I was playing on my phone and all these other stories and that somehow it wasn't his fault. This is why we need dash cams. And they were convinced. I think they were all convinced. Whether they're going to go run to buy a Navman or not is yet to be seen, but I don't know another company that does a dash cam like theirs or of the same quality. And I said to them, don't take my word for it. I'm not here to sell anything to you. I said, go to Dash Cams Australia, go to their Facebook page, watch some of their videos. When you see one that has a lot of good detail, nighttime, daytime, reading number plates, making out the make and model of a vehicle, can you see the footpaths? Can you see the detail on the footpaths? Anything's happening in the periphery of those cameras? And then have a look in the bottom left-hand corner. Does it say Navman? If so, you know why. That's why I talk about them. That's why they sponsor this show. Let's get on with some tech. Rasembrasma Jeff Quattromani, multi Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Australia's number one technology podcast. I'm Jeff Quattromani, and we're going to talk about a lot of tech news this week, but we're doing it over a glass of wine, a pretty special one, actually. This is from St. Hugo, one of my favorite places to get wine from, and this is a Shiraz. Shiraz from South Australia, where you would expect amazing Australian Shiraz to come from, but this has got a little F1 connection to it as well. Danny Ricciardo, it's his special release Shiraz. It's the DR3 version. That means that it is a more expensive version of the Shiraz as well. $80 for this bottle, uh, but it is absolutely sensational. But I will tell you this. I will tell you that it's not worth $80 compared to their normal off-the-shelf $45 to $50 bottle of Shiraz. Um, for most people, I don't think you'll notice the difference. But this one is a very special bottle of wine, and you would enjoy it. But you could just be happy with just a normal Shiraz. Now, I am leading into this with a special bottle of wine because this is partially a special episode. I wanted to quickly mention to you one thing. If you have Binge, if you have Foxtel, there's a documentary I need you to watch. Well, I don't need you to watch, but I recommend you do. It's called Apple, 
The Trillion Dollar Betrayal. It's a documentary, and it was filmed, I would say, three or so years ago, what feels like three years ago, and partially was filmed at my house. I, I star in this documentary, and I was interviewed in this documentary, and it's a story about Apple, obviously the growth of Apple from you know, being effectively nothing to being what they are today, and the hiccups along the way. And, you know, yes, there's some amazing stories to tell, some really big positives to talk about when it comes to Apple. But it hasn't always been a smooth road. And we do cover that in this documentary. Now, I am not the only person interviewed, but I'm the only Australian tech commentator that's interviewed. I don't know what that says about anybody else, but it does mean that we now have a documentary about Apple that you can go and watch, which isn't all praise. And I think it's something that you do check out. If you've got Binge, if you've got Foxtel, Just search for Apple, the trillion dollar betrayal. Let me know what you think. Um, And again, I'll just remind you, it was filmed a number of years ago, but it's only just come to Australia. So it has taken its sweet time to get here. Um, But the messages are all still the same. It's all historical. Uh, There's nothing about, say, the Vision Pro um, or a foldable device. We don't even get to that point of of time yet. So it's an interesting documentary. I encourage you to check it out if you do have some time. Now, today on the show, it's all tech news, guys. It's all news, no reviews. It's going to be, uh, we're going to talk about Alba, we're going to talk about AI, we're going to talk about smartwatches, going to talk about smart washing machines, um, smart VR suits. Like it's smart, smart, smart. And I can't wait to get into it. Let's just get started. Here we go. Tech news, five of them. Let's go. Now, earlier in the week, uh, Alba, Anthony Albanese, Australia's prime minister, made an announcement around a National Cybersecurity Coordinator, the first of its kind, uh, Darren Goldie. And as part of the announcement that he was making, he also decided to give us all some tech advice. Now, I didn't have him on the show as an interviewer to deliver this message himself. He did it straight to the press. And this was a very important piece of information that he shares about one of his practices of protecting himself. Now, one of the things that he does from a cybersecurity point of view is every day, every 24 hours, he will turn off his smartphone for five minutes. He goes onto his phone, shuts it down for five minutes. Could be when he's having a shower, could be when he's on the john, could be when he's sleeping, could be when he's brushing his teeth, could be when he's having lunch. Five minutes a day. He picks five minutes, turns off his phone. And he does that for cybersecurity reasons, not like as a mental health break away from your phone or away from notifications or phone calls or whatever things might happen on his device. He says that the reason this matters is because if your phone has been compromised, if it's been hacked, if there is a spy watching your device and suddenly the connection is terminated because the phone is off, then that hacker, that spy, that somebody may move on to their next culprit. Now, that kind of does make sense in some way. However, if you're a a spy or a hacker or whatever it is, you're probably not actually sitting there watching somebody's phone. It's not like you've got a mirror image of their phone occurring on your display and you're waiting for them to start doing something. It's usually that there is a key logger on the device or something that is monitoring keystrokes and, ca- and capturing your usernames and passwords as you type them. It's not actually someone sitting there like they're watching TV and then, oh, it stopped working. Well, I guess I'll change the channel. It's probably a little bit more simpler than that. So I love the idea. I appreciate where it's coming from. But Albo, I don't know. I don't know whether you should be giving cybersecurity advice when you've just hired a person to do it for you. 
and maybe he's got some different tips to share himself. Darren Goldie is the cybersecurity coordinator for Australia. Maybe at some point we'll bring him on the show and have a chat and get some tech tips from him instead of from Mr. Albanese. Now, there is a new app that utilizes artificial intelligence. Who would have thought? There's probably a million that were launched in the last year uh, that do that. But this one's different. Now, if you've ever been to a restaurant and you've seen people take photos of their food, um, you may find it embarrassing. I kind of don't like the idea. I don't like to capture photos of my food. I'd rather just eat it, especially when it's warm. But there is a new app that actually will encourage you to take photos of your food if you are counting calories. Now, a lot of people are always watching their diet. Australians coming towards summer, maybe thinking about wanting to lose weight. And in the past, there have been apps like MyFitnessPal and others where you can log your food, your food diary. And that will help you count calories versus what you're burning so that you can hope to try and be in a deficit to make sure you're actually losing weight. Now, that can be really tricky when the food or meal doesn't have a barcode. You know, if you're eating a nut bar, you can scan the barcode. It tells you exactly what's in it and you can track the calories based on that. But if a dish is put in front of you, that's very difficult to do. However, Snap Calorie is a new app that will take, allow you to take a photo of the food and it will use AI and the depth sensors on your phone to try and calculate and identify what is in your food and what the caloric content could look like. Now, there is also a human element to this as well. Snap Calorie, they say, have a group of people that look at the photos in real time, but also will make adjustments over time as they actually get to them all um, to try and validate whether AI made a correct assumption or identification of what was there. Now, the depth sensor part is interesting because I could flat lay a burger patty, but if it's actually three, I don't know, 30 centimeters tall, then maybe there's a, a tower of burger patties and you've only seen one from the top, but that depth sensor might make it think, hang on a minute, this burger patty looks like it's 30 centimeters thick. That might not just be one. So the depth sensor makes a big difference. I'm fascinated to try this one out, but if you ask someone who is counting calories, this could be something you do. Snap calorie. It's uh, taking AI to the a whole other level. Now, I also saw this week that Tag Heuer, the fantastic watch brand, the major watch brand, has got a new smartwatch on the market. Now, I've tested a couple of their models before. And one of the things that you can say with the tag connected is that it inherently looks like a tag. Uh, when you are near somebody or with somebody, it looks like a tag. It's got the body and shape of a Tag Heuer watch. The watch faces can resemble multiple different types of Tag Heuer watches as you can adjust and change them to suit your day, mood, occasion, whatever it could be. And I love that. That's a great feature. At the end of the day, it's not a real tag, as in it's not an analog watch face. It hasn't got that classic design. Even if it is trying to be replicated on a screen, you can tell it's a smartwatch. It is literally just a screen on a watch reflecting an image. But with the new models, the new models is Caliber E4, Golden Bright, and Bright Black Edition. Uh, it looks like a little bit of rose gold added into the bezel. There's some black added in. It's a really nice looking watch. But it's important to talk about these watches because those who are in the market for a smartwatch should know that there is a couple of operating systems that float around on smartwatches. And one of them is Android Wear OS. And that's what is on the Tag Heuer. But it's also what's on a number of other smartwatches, some that start from $200. So when you have something like this from Tag Heuer costing US $2,300, you do need to know that yes, while the body and design on the outside looks all Tag, 
what's inside is the same as what's on a $200 smartwatch. So yes, the watch faces are unique to it, but beyond that, everything else is the same. It will count your steps. It will give you email notifications, but so will a Fitbit. So it is that difference between having, I don't know, a really smart watch or a watch that looks really smart. And that's really the difference here. Boy, that was a good line. Um, but that is really the difference here. I do like them. One of the problems I used to have in the past, I haven't tested this particular model, uh, was battery life. Large display, um, trying to, you know, they're trying to be very conscious of the size of, and the thickness of the watch as well. So battery size becomes a question or a problem for them. And I just remember not really getting through a full day of use. And with a smartwatch, that's not ideal. If you are somebody who is potentially going to dinner that night, uh, maybe doing something in the evening, and then coming home to sleep at, say, 11 or midnight, you may not even get to there before your watch actually dies. And that's not ideal for a watch that tells you the time. So do shop around if you are looking for a new smartwatch. Yes, this is an elegant looking one, but personally, I still love my Withings. I really like my Withings. And uh, I think it's the Scan Watch, I think it's called. I love it. It looks like it is an analog watch, but a very small display. I charge the battery maybe once every two months. It's brilliant. It does everything I need it to do and more. Now, there is another thing I want to talk to you about, and it's virtual reality. We talk about virtual reality a lot on this show, and uh, probably at least once a week. There is a group of Swiss engineers, of course they're Swiss, uh, Swiss engineers who have built a VR suit. The VR suit is, has an aim to help you feel things in the metaverse. Now, this looks like a wetsuit. It looks like a complete wetsuit that you would wear surfing, head-to-toe covering, basically. You put your virtual reality headset on, you find yourself in an immersive world where maybe you're walking around a garden. And while you're in that immersive world, and that's all that you're actually seeing, maybe you bend down and you pull out a flower out of the garden. Now, visually, you can do that today. But in your fingertips, now you could feel the weight and the fact that something is actually between your fingers, even though in real life there isn't. And even though in the virtual world it looks like there is, the suit will help piece the two together. Taking another example, if you're in that same garden and a bird was to come by and land on your hand or on your shoulder, you would feel it. You would feel its weight. You would feel its feet. You would know that it's there, even though it actually isn't. If you were playing FIFA, and this is really taking things to another level, if you were playing FIFA and you swung your leg in, a, in the real world, and in a virtual world, you kicked the ball, you would feel it on your foot. You would feel that connection on your foot. If you were barefoot, it probably hurt even more. But the, the amazing thing here is where this could go. If you think about Call of Duty, you think about those first-person shooter games, imagine the, the sensation of actually trying, not feeling a real bullet shot, but imagine that kind of interaction where it takes gaming to a whole other level where you can feel what's actually happening in the game and not just be part of it. That is a big deal. If you think about car games and, and F1 games, for example, where imagine you, if you could feel G-forces while you're driving an F1 game. Imagine if you could feel that pressure on your body while you try and take a corner. If suits can start to replicate that and connect the virtual world with physical feeling, that really does take, take things to another place. And these Swiss engineers are making their way towards it. They're trying to help you feel in the metaverse. And I know that there will be instances where this may start to get more into an adult space. And you can just imagine where some of those areas might go. 
but it could just be as simple that if you know two of you are playing a game together you could literally tap each other on the shoulder you could be doing all sorts of things where touch becomes something that is experienced in a game that's insane Now, when we were in Las Vegas together, you and me, and we stopped by the Samsung stand, one of the things that I absolutely fell in love with was their laundry appliances. And stick with me here, because it may not sound like something that you would normally care about. You know, the washing machine, the dryer, they're there, you stick your clothes in them, you pour your your dishwashing liquid in there or whatever it's called, your powders, you find the setting that it needs to be, and you hit go. Now, a lot of people just put in a certain amount of detergent that they think they should. A lot of them pick a setting and it's usually just their quick wash or something like that because they don't really know what they're meant to do for all the garments that they've thrown in. And then there's all these rules about what materials you can have with other things. And then you get to the drying side and you're thinking, I don't know, you just stick them all in there. How long do I dry it for? I don't know, six hours and see what happens. There is a level of intelligence that is required in the laundry. Not all people have them. I'm probably one of those people. And Samsung has noticed that. And they've decided to fix it. Now, in a couple of ways, for economic reasons, for clothing care reasons, and so many other things. Now, what I mean is simple. There are two washers. There's a a washer and a dryer from Samsung that is using artificial intelligence, just like everything else, to do a couple of things. One, it detects the fabric that's going into the washing machine. It weighs the fabric that has been put into the washing machine. And it can even detect how dirty the clothing is that's been put into the washing machine. So if it has been covered in mud, if it's got uh, spillages on it, food, whatever it could be, there is a detection that happens inside that chamber. And then rather than you adding detergent or powder every single time, there are large compartments inside the machine. So you have like a month's worth of detergent and stuff put inside that machine, almost like a storage compartment. And then the machine, after doing all of that detection, understanding what you've now got, will actually release the right amount of detergent or fabric softener or whatever other components go into a wash and automatically start your wash based on its own wash cycle, unique to what's just been put inside it, using the right amount of detergent and obviously then the right amount of water. Because what a lot of people do is they don't fully load their washing machines. They run a, a, the same wash cycle regardless of how many garments are in there. They're potentially using more water than they need to, more power than they potentially need to, and sometimes more detergent and other components than they need to. So this makes it all very smart and very simple. Let it do the work. Let it decide the time, the, the, the water usage, the power usage, the detergent usage, and you'll get the right clean garments to the manufacturer's happiness or whatever it's called, it's not going to destroy all your clothing because it is doing the thinking for you. But what I also love is that obviously it is internet connected. Of course it is. But it will actually also get software updates over time, meaning new types of wash cycles or different types of detections or intelligence around water usage and power usage will be downloaded to the machine as a firmware update. So as Samsung and others figure out new ways of using the machine, your machine will just learn and get better. But then what I love, obviously, the fact that it is internet connected, of course, there's an app. It works with the SmartThings ecosystem that Samsung has dominated. So SmartThings could be on your Samsung TV, on your smartphone, on your smartwatch, um, you name it. You could effectively receive a notification on your TV to let you know that the washing is done, to let you know that the dryer is ready, 
You could have a notification when there's five minutes to go. SmartThings integration may sound on the surface as, oh yeah, why does everything need to be connected? But there is that convenience element that you don't have to be walking into the laundry to see how many minutes are left on the washer. You could be asking your smart speakers to tell you that, or you could be not interrupting your TV show to walk and check it and just have a little pop-up appear on your TV when it's done. That convenience is worth something. And I think what Samsung is doing here makes a lot of sense. I think when my washing machine dies, this could be something I do. And it does make me think. It really does make me think because I know that when I needed to buy a washing machine, guess what I did? I measured how big it needed to be. I had an idea of how much I wanted to spend. And then I went to a Harvey Norman's or whatever it was. And I went, that one looks okay. I looked at the, how many stars, whatever it has from a, a water economical point of view. I went, yep, that's a brand I've heard of. And I guess that will do the job. I don't know how much time we spend reviewing or considering white goods. In fact, I'd say it's very little. When people need a new fridge, do they go and look for fridge reviews or washing machine reviews or dishwasher reviews? I don't think we do, but I feel that as devices are starting to get smarter and have features like I've just been talking about, we do need to start separating the normal white goods from these more intelligent ones. And yes, the retailer has a huge role to play in that, but I feel like maybe we do too. That maybe as we have been for a long time talking about innovation in smartphones, computers, and virtual reality and things like that, there may actually be an opportunity for us to talk more about white goods. As they get smarter, as they start doing more, you're going to have to hear about them more, I think. And that way, when you have the opportunity to buy a new washing machine, because not everyone needs one every two years, but when you do need one, you'll know, hey, hey, hun, or whoever it is that you talk to as part of your uh, planning, so when that washing machine dies, I know which one we're going to get. We're going to get a smart one. It's going to save us money. It's going to give us notifications on our phone. It's going to save water. It's going to save the planet. That sounds pretty cool to me. Anyway, I need to check out that entire range. I can't wait to actually see these operating as well as heading to them in store. Now, with all of that said, and you would need to go and do your own price comparisons, but the smart washer starts at 1500 The smart dryer starts at 1800 And I'm pretty sure that we didn't spend that much money on our washing machine. Now, what's the payoff period for all of that intelligence? I don't know. It could be a few years. But if most people keep their washing machines for 10 years plus, you can probably start to imagine or estimate what a payoff period could look like when it comes to these smart washers. All right, guys, that's it. Super fast, super quick show. You couldn't get much more value out of this one. A free podcast covering at least five bits of tech news. If you've got nothing to do on the weekend, do check out the Apple the Trillion Dollar Betrayal documentary on Bins and on Foxtel uh, available right now, starring myself. Have a great week. Look after each other. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.